There is this scene in the gospel story where the devil takes Jesus to the temple top and asks him to jump down from the, from, the, from the pinnacle of the temple because obviously it is written in the scripture that God will send his angels and protect you and this is the famous temptation scene. Then Jesus looks back at him and quotes from Deuteronomy 6.16 where it says, do not put Lord your God to test. Do not test God. Apparently, Jesus skipped over the verse we are going to read. Now, would you stand with me for the reading of the word? I'm going to read from Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Malachi 3.10 says this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me. Now, in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So you can, you can test God. <laughs> That's what God said there. Test me, test me on this. You can test God on one thing, on your tithe. Now, whenever, I, whenever we talk about tithe, immediately the, you know, the, the guards up or the preacher comes and by the end of the financial year, like, you know, there's this big talk on tithing. To be honest with you, I've been preaching here for four years. I never preached on giving specifically because I believe every Sunday I preach on giving because giving is not just about money. But coming back to the idea of tithe. And the first objection people normally say is that, no, tithe is not a New Testament concept. It is from the Old Testament. I totally agree. Actually, it is not even from the Old Testament, technically say. It was a universal principle of giving even before the Mosaic law was codified. So that's the first point I want you to know, that tithing is a universal principle of giving. What do I mean by that? Because whenever we say Old Testament, we mean the Mosaic law, right? The Mosaic law through the Moses, not the whole Old Testament. But even before the Mosaic law was established, there's the story of Abraham, and he comes back after you know, a big victory among all the other neighbor, neighboring kings, and when he comes and he sees this strange person named Melchizedek, who was a priest and a king, and he gives him, Abraham gives Melchizedek one-tenth of everything he, he had. So it's a, that's where the tithe begins, in a way, as it is in the biblical narrative. So this is even before the so-called Old Testament or the Mosaic law. And then again, we see Jacob, Abraham's grandson, Jacob. He was in this place called Bethel. He had this vision. And then next day before he left and he put a pillar and, you know, he was basically sleeping on a stone and he put that stone as a pillar and he said, I'm going to make this a temple. 
and I'm going to give you the tithe of everything we have. This is again before the Mosaic law. So the tithe is not a New Testament concept. Tithe is not an Old Testament concept. Tithe is a universal principle of giving that was established in that you know, intuitive sense of people giving to God, which was later adopted into the Mosaic law and continued, right? Now, the second one point I want to make is, tithe was given to the temple, not to charity. Now, this is a very complicated point. I'm going to say that again. Tithe was given to the temple, not to charity. See, the scripture which I read today, Malachi 3.10 says, bring your tithe to the storehouse so that there may be food in the house of the Lord. It is very specifically assigned to the temple because whenever we talk about tithe or whenever we talk about giving in general, we have this assumption that rich people give to poor people, right? That's what normally happens. The giver somehow possess more wealth than the, the person who is receiving it. But tithe is very different. Tithe is not from a rich person to a poor person. Because when you look at Abraham and Melchizedek, Melchizedek didn't need anything. Melchizedek was a priest and a king. He didn't need Abraham's money. It was a sign of honor. It is almost like paying your due. It was not giving. It was not charitable giving. When Jacob said that I'm going to give you tithe, God didn't need Jacob's money. God didn't need anything. See, this is the difference between charitable giving and when you give to the house of the Lord. See, I've been in this field long enough. <laughs> you know, when people give to charity, many people, they don't have to be Christians. They don't have to even believe in anything. But people give. That's the intuitively they give. One of the reasons, psychologically subtle, because whenever we give to people, we kind of feel a sense of being God, being a provider. Even if you try to deny it, you cannot. The reality is that you get some kind of a satisfaction by giving to other people. And quite often, obviously this is not a blanket statement, the people who give too much to charity, especially if they don't have God in their life, they tend to be very condescending people. Because they get, it's, it's a pure psychology. The more you give, the more you feel kinder. You cannot help by deny the, deny the fact that you feel somehow superior to the other person. It makes you feel good and sometimes it makes you feel God because you're being a provider. But when you give to God, you feel just the opposite. <laughs> because each time you give to God, you kind of feel bad. It is sort of subjugation. It's a sort of surrender. Any money you put in the basket has to come from a place of surrender. That's why I always say, don't try to give to God. Don't try to give charity to God. It is a subjugation. It's a sign of your surrender. That's what Abraham did. That's what Jacob did. Because each time you put in money into the basket, you're saying, Lord, I'm inferior, not superior. So I just want us to get that because 
now that doesn't really mean that we shouldn't give to charity. We should all give to charity. And in the, in the Old Testament, in this, this is particularly a problem at Lake Avenue Church. People walk into this building and say, wow, this is a huge building. This is a rich church. That's what I used to think until I started coming here looking at the book, <laughs> right, the books. This is, <laughs> this is a rich church. And many people who come here intentionally don't pay their, I don't know, but I'm, I can see that I used to be one of them. Because why do, why do they need my money? Know that I have a lot of money anyway. I would rather give to charity where it will make a difference. Right? And sometimes people think that, oh, maybe I'll give to a small church. Or maybe I'll give, I'll give to the mission field. Because, oh, that big church, that doesn't need any money. Some rich people are running it. These are psychologically, don't deny it. I can see that in your eyes, right? <laughs> see, but I want you to know that sometime, you know, even in the charitable world, we support a lot of local charities from the money you put. Like I said, I write around $55,000 a month check to the missionaries alone then to our local mission partners, then to our benevolence. This church gives, not just receives, we give a lot of money. And because of our building and because of our, our, our footprint in this church, we, we, in, this, in this city, we have some influence in the society. In some way, God has called us to be so-called big church to make a different kind of impact a small church cannot do. But that doesn't mean that small churches are not important. I support that if you want to give to a small church or a small uh, mission organization, you should do that. I have no doubt that there is nothing in the Bible says that you have to give your tithe to the church you go to. No, it doesn't say. That's not in the Bible. But I would also say that if you feel not comfortable giving tithe to this church, you should reconsider whether you should attend this church. I'm being honest with you. I'm not trying to build a mega church here. I don't want, this is too many people for me, where I'm coming from, right? So, if you feel that I would rather give my money to a small church, you should give that, you should do that. And you should also attend that church. Because they don't just need money, they also need people. They also need your other kind of support. So it is important to be part of that community and help other people grow. And that is actually what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to deploy people into their neighborhood. It's not about us being a Sunday thing. So what I'm saying is, you know, Jesus very clearly said, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also, right? So where you are giving your tithe, where you are putting your money, that's where your heart will be. So what I'm saying is that wherever you, whichever community you want to give, try to be there. Your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, everything, try to be invest in that so that we can all grow together as a community in Pasadena and beyond. So I just want you to know that tithing is not just giving to charity because in the, in the Old Testament, Tithing was meant for the upkeep of the humongous temple. You thought LSE is too big? You should have seen Jerusalem temple. You should have seen their electricity bill. They didn't have electricity, but you know, to keep up that building, 
They didn't have any rental revenue. We get a lot of money by rental. We are trying to save money by renting. They couldn't rent the temple for anything. Most of the people were living in mud houses, but they were giving money to this big, humongous, extravagant building because to them that was important because it was the house of the Lord. From there came the spiritual blessing that invoke every other blessings in their life. That's the way they thought. Of course, they also had what they call free will offerings. So it's not just a tithe. It's not just the offering they do. There was free will offering. And in that way, charity was integrated into their life. For example, when, when Israel was, were, when they were doing harvest, they were asked to leave some of the place not harvested so that other people can pick. You know, poor people can come and take it. So charity was not just a thing they did. It was integrated into their life. It was a lifestyle. But that was very different, very different from tithe. Because the Lord said, bring your tithe to my storehouse so that there will be food in the house of the Lord. And then test me. Then test me. Okay? The third one. Third point. The New Testament giving... It's no tithe. I agree with you. <laughs> the New Testament didn't ask us to give 10%. It rather asked us to give 100%. That was the call of Jesus. That was the tithe of New Testament. No, I'm not saying this figuratively. This is not a metaphor. This is not a spiritual talk. They literally did that. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, that's exactly what they did. They gave everything. They sold everything they had and put it at the feet of the apostles and they decided who should get what. So this was not a spiritual metaphor I'm, I'm trying to use. This is the, if you really want to go with the New Testament and you think tithe is not in the New Testament, let's go with what New Testament says. 100%. <laughs> By the way, if we don't make the general budget this year, this is what we are going to do from September. We are all going to sell what you have. <laughs> That's going to be very easy for me because mine will be more like a garage sale. So, <laughs> so what I'm saying is that it is the New Testament giving is, is not so much... No, 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 it's not, not a guide, not, not a rule or not a regulation, but it is so much of a guideline for us to show our self, selfless, wholehearted devotion to God. It is not the percentage that matter. God wants you, right? And now, I would, many, many people have, so what do we do with the tithe, especially in the New Testament? The New Testament didn't have temple. So these were the, some of them, I'm going to go through very quickly. These are the, this is the way the money was used in the New Testament. You know, the, all those tithes or everything they collected was used in three different ways. One, spreading of the gospel, which is at that time only meant evangelism or missions, right? They funded the missionaries, which is the apostles going around and taking the gospel around the world. Now that is, I just gave one verse. There are so many verses to exp explain that, but Philippians 4, 15 to 17, you can read. And the second thing was they, they used that to, to provide the so-called wages for the teachers and preachers and even elders. Let me, let me read that verse, because many people think that why should you guys get paid to be, to be, you know, 
all you do is just 20 minutes uh, gig on a Sunday, you know. So, so let me, uh, well, at least that's what I used to think. So this is, I'm speaking. Uh, so uh, 1 Timothy 5, 17, 18 says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. So this is applicable to elders too. So the, the elder board can make a claim on this for getting paid, especially those who work in teaching and preaching. For scripture says, do not muscle an ox while it is treading out the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. Now Galatians 6, 6 says, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Okay, you should share all your good things with instructor. Sharing in my vocabulary means 50%. That's what sharing, equally sharing. Okay, it's not even to the church, to the one who teaches you. Just saying that, but... <laughs> uh, just kidding, okay? Don't, take, don't send me emails about this. So... <laughs> First Corinthians 9, 11 to 14 says, Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. See, this is what we do. And that's what the Old Testament did. The Old Testament money was used for the upkeep of the temple and also for the Levites. The Levites were, were segregated. The Levites were considered holy to do the work of the temple. Now, when the inheritance was divided among the different tribes to Levites, God said, you are my inheritance. You don't get anything. Levites did get, didn't get anything because it was the job of the other tribes to take care of the Levites. Now, the reason I said that, <laughs> I gave you a leeway to get out of this a loophole there because back in the days, the Levites considered translated, AKA the pastors, they didn't own anything. They didn't have anything. It was the church's job to take care of them. But today, at least some pastors are richer than <laughs> the congregants, they have private jets. And so all I'm saying is that I'm giving you a loophole, don't directly apply to the culture in which we live. So if, if I can demand on this, if I demand this on you, I should also have the, uh, the audacity to say that I don't own anything. I just completely trust in God in this, in this journey. So I'm just, just putting it out there. Um, the third one is benevolence. And this is something Lake Avenue faithfully does. And all these three things Lake Avenue faithfully does. Benevolence is, again, not for charity. We get this confused. Let me read that verse. First Corinthians 16, 1 to 2. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian church to do. Anyway, it's very important. And even one of the things that I'm very, very proud of in our neighborhood center last year, and a group of volunteers emerged and we were, you know, we had a lot of paid staff doing many things. They were doing wonderful things. But then we, because of our budget cards, it, was, it is being managed so wonderfully by a group of uh, volunteers led by, you all know, Teresa Jolie or AKA Mother Teresa, who literally considered this as a ministry. 
we don't just, before that, sometimes we just, the people walk in and they just, we just write check to them and they go somewhere. And of course, we did some wedding process and all that. But now we want to make them, they are connected, make sure that they are connected to the church. They are praying with some deacons. We made solid connections with the church because that's, ultimately, that's the best charity we can do to people. Giving Christ is the best thing you can do. Not just money. See, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. But the world thinks just the opposite. All the welfare programs, all the benevolence programs in the secular world is all about how man shall live by bread alone. But Jesus said, whenever we give bread to somebody, whenever we give a glass of water to somebody, it is with the specific intention of giving them the ultimate gift, which is Jesus Christ. So I'm very proud of even the benevolence um, fund, the way we are operating right now. So all that listed, three things, spreading the gospel, teachers, preachers, and elders, and benevolence. That's what the New Testament did, and that is exactly what Lake Avenue Church is doing with your money, and I want you to know that. So when you bring your tithe to the storehouse, so that there will be food in the house of the Lord, so that the house of the Lord in Pasadena, that big white cross, will be a beacon of light for people to look at as a sign of hope. And that's when God is really going to start blessing us. And that is the one the Lord said, test me on this. I'm going to close with a story. It's debating whether I should say this or not, but this is one of the places where, uh, where this all became real to us. Around 20 years ago, we were a young family, Joanne and I, and we had two little kids in Canada. Uh, immigrants, we, da- we didn't have any money, and our, our monthly income was somewhere around $3,000 or something, uh, if, if, if at all that. Uh, but then we, we lived in this, we, we got to live in this beautiful apartment in a very beautiful neighborhood, uh, and, the, and the rent, I still remember, was $1,400, $1,400, but we thought it was a nice place for the girls to kind of run around, and, you know, anyway, but it was too much of a luxury at the time, but we still signed a contract, and we just got into that $1,400, and then $50 for parking, too. I remember it was too much money going from, you know, our pocket at the time, but we wanted that. We loved it, but then, you know, and then we always... We always pay our tithe, and it's very clear uh, because we always think that tithe is something we, we don't give to God, we, we owe to God. So if you don't pay our tithe, we feel like we are stealing from God, we are robbing from God. So we, we always have what we call a, we have a tithe account. So we keep our money, because by mistake, if you forget, you know, so, so we, you know, that, so we, we were paying our tithe and all that, but, but there was this specific incident, a friend of Ours was a missionary challenged us to and to support a cause and support us to give a little more. And there's no way we could give more. We didn't have a savings account at that time. We were living paycheck to paycheck. We were happy, but we didn't have any money to give anything at all. But we read the scripture, but the Lord said, test me on this. You know, we wanted to give something to this mission and we wanted to support this cause. And, but we have to sacrifice something to give to that cause. So the only thing we could sacrifice was the apartment we live in. We just finished our first year, so we thought, we will go, maybe it is too big, too much for you know, people like us. This is, this is too luxury for us. So we fo- found, you know, we, we researched another neighborhood, which is kind of a little shady. Uh, but, you know, anyway, we found a smaller apartment, and we saved $100, so we got, okay, $100 less. 
So that's great. So we called uh, this mission ministry and said, we are going to give support $100 every month from now on because we got this $100 reduction so we could still maintain that. So coming back and we, we came to our apartment owner, it's a big company. This is not even individual. This is a big corporation who runs the many rental property. So I went to them and said, hey, we are going to break the lease because we are allowed to after a year, so we are going to move. So the, 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 the manager asked, why are you moving? And I kind of gave her this uh, part of the story, not the real Christian version of it. Somehow she felt moved by it. <laughs> and she said, you know what? I'm going to reduce your rent. What if I reduce your rent by $120 and will you stay here? I, that doesn't happen in Toronto. Toronto is immigrants are packing in every single day. It's very different. That doesn't happen. They try to, there's strict rent control because they try to gouge money from people because there are so many people. And this lady said, I'm going to give you $120. Will, will you stay here? I said, of course, of course, because I saw the pain in Joanne's face and the kid's face when we decided to move from that apartment. Even now, I would say after 12 different apartments we lived in, that's still our favorite place. But coming back to, uh, so I said, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. So we were excited. So I called this ministry and said, we are not going to give you just $100. We are going to give $120 because we got $120. Okay, and that was not the real story. Coming back, and I went and signed the lease. So, so we, we need to sign the renewed contract. So when I went to sign the renewed contract with $120 reduction, and the clerk or the typist who did the, uh, whoever did that uh, you know, contract made a small mistake. Because each time when a new, new person, new lease happens, they give one month rental off, one month free rent. And we were not new, we, we have already lived there. So, but by mistake, she added that clause, which further reduced our rent by $1,450, which is exactly $120 per month plus, you know, plus $1 extra, right? So I said, oh, yeah, there's a mistake, so you may have to take out that clause. Then this lady said again, I know it's a mistake, but you know what? Let it be there. I'm going to give you that further reduction. And I remember that. I remember... <laughs> See, when you play with God, you're playing with fire. That's why when I say don't give charity, I see the arrogance in our giving style. You know, okay, ask me if you need anything. Let me see if the church needs, then I'll help you. No, I don't need you for anything. The church doesn't need you for anything. When we decided to give $100 extra to a mission, God gave us the ability to give $120 and another $120 to keep it in your pocket. Now that's what happened when you test God. So, test me on this. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege that you allowed us to lift our hand and praise you and to put 
a small little offering into this grand schematic things that is unfolding in the universe from time immemorial. And you decided to use our $100 to be part of that. Thank you for the privilege of giving you. Thank you for the privilege of tithing. Let there be food in the storehouse so that not only the people of God in this temple, but outside this, in Pasadena, in the world, in Ethiopia, all around the world, may be blessed by Lake Avenue Church. In Jesus' name, amen.